You're listening to the AID Network. Hey friends, I'm talking about hats, 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 custom embroidery, custom threads, custom effects. There's no better time to stock the retail shelves, outfit the crew, or get the team looking like they're ready to win with professionally embroidered headwear from your friends over at Jack Prince. Choose from over two dozen of their most popular styles, proudly emblazoned with your brand. And hey, if you don't see the style of customization your design needs or the brand that you want to wear, just ask Jack Prince. Always happy to help you customize and make the perfect product for you and your customers. Always more than happy to find the perfect hat just for you. Start your custom hat design and order today at jackprince.com slash circle of trust, where shipping is always free on domestic orders. Hey friend, I want to give you a quick warning. The first 40 minutes of today's episode is reviewing the first three episodes of Game of Thrones season eight. Therefore, if you're not current, if you haven't started the new season and you haven't seen the first three episodes, keep in mind last night was the fourth. So if you haven't seen the first three episodes, do yourself a favor and skim up to around minute 40, 41, and you won't hear any spoilers. Connie, welcome back to Comment Below. May, what is going on with you, May? I think what we're looking at right now is I think we're looking at the new landscape of modern TV. Because as you know, Connie, with every artist, and in particular in the world of TV, it takes time to come up with these ideas, put together your pitch, find a network, find a producer producer of it all, uh, put together a team, cast it, make it, create it, put it out. So I think what we're seeing right now in May of 2019 is the really the next evolution of streaming all of these services the internet tv i think this is the month where we finally see what the next phase of tv is all about connie welcome to the show and i hope you had a great derby weekend i have had a great weekend a couple parties celebrations to go to uh you know i don't drink but i do love a get together so we've had that going on and you uh, like to get high. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the places I went were uh, were very uh, accommodating to me. Above so. the clouds? <laughs> yes. Uh, about May TV, I feel like what we're seeing is TV potluck. That's mm. what it feels like to mm. me. Like, we're getting a little bit of everything coming from all the friends and neighbors, kind of like what you... You know, we had on Derby Weekend with people. Um, we're getting, it's just, you know, it's not just packed with TV shows. It's not packed with movies. It's like a little mix of miniseries, you know, all kinds of short run things, uh, long term stuff. It's all mixed together. It is. And the interesting thing is that it comes to a head on this one month. So I'm curious are we looking at like the evolution of where TV's going and how the programming's all going to switch? Or are we looking at, they know, hey, man, you can't sell ads in May, so just throw all the trash out. Like, I can't figure out, because it's such an insane month compared, because we've now been tracking the calendar for, for months and months. I've been, you and I have been doing it since the beginning of the year. I've been doing it for about a year and a half now, and this is the wildest one that I've seen yet. So just like when you go to your derby party, I'm going to lay all this out on a card table for you, and I'm going to let you decide, where do we start today? Here are your options, Connie. We can talk okay. about TV show 
there's only one TV show coming out this month. We can talk about miniseries. We can talk about TV movies. We can talk about wokeumentaries, which is a new genre that's coming out. Or we can talk about Game of Thrones. That's what's all laid out on the card table. Where would you like to start? What What is that, that deviled egg or baked bean contraction that you just can't get away from? Well, I'm afraid it's going to like turn into uh, the length of the episode that we watched for this podcast on just the discussion of Game of Thrones. But we got to start there. If not, I'm going to be thinking about it the whole episode so until we get to it. You just want to get it out of the way and we can just have a cigarette and then talk about the rest? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay, so we're halfway through the Game of Thrones season. Today's review is only going to be talking about episodes one through three. So if you haven't watched last night or you're, you're still trying to find time to watch this week's because you decided to make it a wife watcher uh don't worry we're only going to be talking about the first three weeks and if you're a got fan you should have already got those inside your brain okay let's do it this way i feel like the first two episodes before we get into the big one i felt like the first two episodes could have easily been one long episode it felt like it was the same narrative and when i showed up on week two and i looked at the timestamp and i saw we were still under an hour i thought that's odd. And then when I watched that episode, I'm like, this felt like a good goodbye to a lot of our favorite characters. But don't you feel like the first two episodes was kind of the exact same thing? Kind of the exact, like, here's all your pals. This is what they're up to. This is where they're going. Yeah, I was a little concerned. I was a little let down because it did seem like a lot of stuff was happening. It seemed, it seemed like we got the little looks and glances at the end of the episodes. So, so we had to sit there and go, oh, wait a minute. What's that for? What's he thinking about? What's this relationship? Right. And I was under the impression that they were all going to be longer episodes. Me too. And so, yeah, I think somewhere that news got out. I thought it was official news. So I was looking at, you know, hour 20, hour 30 minute episodes and thinking, wow, we're going to get a lot of content. Those two felt short for me. But I guess they were doing what people do is before you've got a big battle coming and you know there's going to be a conflict, sit back a little bit relax, rest on your laurels and be scared shitless and just uh, plan. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, we hadn't seen these characters in so long that it was fun in the first two episodes to kind of see them, see what they're all up to. And, and in a, in a real twist of pop culture, this season of game of Thrones is a lot like the Avengers where the first seven um, seasons were but like a bunch of independent movies and we fell in love with all these characters and all their different voyages and all their different journeys. But now we find them all in the exact same camp. I mean, other than Cersei and her crew of losers, everybody's like right there at the exact same party, hanging out, waiting for shit to go down. So in a weird way, the first two um, episodes does, at least the first episode, it does have that sort of shock and awe of like, man, the band's back together. They're like, now Jamie Lannister showed up. Like, they're all in the same spot. <laughs> yeah, it, and I think I mention this almost every time we talk about a, a show that I really love is I love when people get into that, like, you know, trapped situation and they're facing a common enemy and mm -hmm. they've got to get along. We had that in the walking dead and a lot of other shows. And this, this was the, the second episode was that one for me. I love the night before they know what's going on. Everybody's thinking about I'm probably going to die. You know, we have a little sing along the, the knighting of Brienne of Tarth, which was, you know, 
everybody's been waiting for that. She's such a beloved character. Yeah. Um, but then also something like The Knighting of Brienne Tarth by Jamie Lannister, who she harbors a secret love for, and he harbors some sort of weird, you know, kinship with. Um, Do you think it, that he is in love with her? But it's hard for him to admit admit it to himself because of the exterior. Is it is it the old like uh, kind of I'm really into this person, but unfortunately they don't look the way I need them to look. Like is it one of those type of things? I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a side uh, theory here. I think he is in love with Cersei, and that is his downfall. And he he knows how horrible she is and everything bad about her. He sees her for what she is, but cannot help himself. But then he sees a Brienne who is like the relationship he wishes he had, someone that actually respects him and loves him and that he admires. And so it's a weird, like, you ever had those people where you're like, I don't know what I feel for this person. Do I, do I feel like family for them? Do I feel something else for them? Do I just like want to be like them? Yeah. Like that kind of thing. I think that's what he's got going on. But I'm going to throw a different theory at you real okay. quick. Hold your thought. Yeah. Is it that he, because his family is so demonic and disruptive, is it that he is confusing the bond between twins as lust and love for his sister? And when he meets Brienne, that's what real love feels like. And he's confused between the twin bond and the real love bond. And he doesn't quite, because every time he looks at her, it's sort of this weird, like, I can't place where I'm at with my heart right now. Like, that's always the look on Jamie's face. And I mean... I, I'm completely attracted to this character. Like he's probably my favorite one out of the the whole pile. And when we get into talking about the long night, every time he got on the bottom of a dog pile, I said, please, no. I, I mean, he just deserves so much more than death by zombie. Yeah, he, he needs to have. I was talking about this with Stacy yesterday about like who I think is going to survive the whole shebang. And we've had, you know, we mentioned Jamie in our anti-hero yeah. Um, discussion. And he's gone the full arc. He's gone from villain to an anti-hero to a full hero's journey. So he's got to have an epic ending. And it can't just be from some white walker f- devouring him. And then we see like a, you know, one eyeball peeking out death look from him or something. Right. Like that. And we can't we, we may get that he ends up you know, someone else that we love sacrifices themselves for him. Maybe Brienne. I mean, I don't know. That's what the knighting scene for me led me into was all the thinking of how's this relationship going to play out? Because they have to finish it. This I don't think this knighting of her by him was the finish move for that relationship. There's still something going on. And I might have paid more attention to the two of them during the battle in episode three than anybody else uh, other than maybe Arya. But uh, yeah, that's complex characters going on there. I don't know what Jamie's feeling, but yes, I do agree with you. He could be confusing that and just because no one in that family shows love or no. acts normal or whatever normal is, you know, no familial bonds, no caring. It, they all really are out for themselves. And Brienne is not out for herself. I could flip a coin and it could go either way, but I do feel like at some point, either Brienne or Jamie, one of them will sacrifice themselves for the other. Like that's, that's how I feel. One of those characters will probably die to save the other. And probably it'll be Brienne because she is the more noble or, but then again, with this show, if it's Jamie, then what a, what a complete journey and, and, you know, just a total like reprogramming, reprogramming of the brain or the mind that we have seen him gone through. So who fucking knows, man? I'm going to call on my uh, 70s and 80s soap opera roots here watching mm. this stuff with my mom. 
I think it's going to come down to a love triangle between Cersei, Jaime, and Brienne. And I think that it could go three ways there. You could have Cersei be so jealous of Jaime's devotion to Brienne that mm. she kills either one of them. Or you could have Cersei threatening Jaime, Brienne takes her out, or Cersei could kill Brienne. And then Jaime has to kill Cersei because she killed I mean, it could go anyway. You That's know why Cersei will treat her like a dog. Once she sees uh, that affection that her brother has for her, she will treat her like a fucking dog. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be worse than the, the, what's the, I can't remember the woman's name that she's got watching her daughter die in the tombs wherever. uh, It's going to be way worse than that. Or worse than how Ramsey treated, um, uh, who knows? There's too many characters. Yeah, yeah. Too many goddamn characters. (laughs) Okay, so let's let's do this. Let's get into The Long Night, which would have been episode three, going back a Sunday. This is how I watched it. Um, Beth goes to bed on Sunday nights. I start Game of Thrones. I looked and I saw it's 90 minutes. It's Sunday at the end of a long weekend. And I just made up my mind. I have some chores I need to do before I go to bed. I'm going to watch a little Game of Thrones. I'm going to get up and do a chore. I basically put commercial breaks in it so that I could (laughs) stay awake, not get tired you know, because I'm starting at about 1030. That's going to take me up to midnight on a Sunday. Papaw's tired on, on the end of a long weekend. <laughs> I got these new eyeballs I'm trying to get used to. So uh, I pushed play and my little timer went off to, to let out Uncle Larry and take him on his walk. And my heart was just beating. I mean, the first 10, 15 minutes, there's maybe zero dialogue. I mean, it's yep. just everybody... Getting into line, getting into line, getting into line. And when the the Red Witch lights the Darthraki's, you know, sickle sword and those motherfuckers go off into the horizon, they are supposed to be the craziest, toughest army ever. That's why they're in the front. And when that light just diminished and it went to silence, I was like, oh my god and i've got 80 more minutes of this this is unbelievable yeah in my house we were just like uh-oh they're dead the, yeah the, there goes the dothraki horde there is no more they're gone what we did was i knew i took the total opposite approach i just owned my memo papal hood and said i'm going to get a blanket and a pillow snuggle down here on this leather ikea couch and settle in for this thing we turned all the lights off because as we all know it was dark as fuck watching that show uh we turned all the lights off and just sat there so we were actually the only light in the room was coming from the screen it was cool as shit um and we just i probably held my breath for like 15 minute intervals at a time on the show with what was going on i couldn't have taken any breaks or, or stopped it or anything um yeah it, it's, it's and they i think that they did a great job with it being so long of breaking it up like you do yes. like a road trip yes you know? that's where we those had, that's where those avengers movies are so good because i watched all four of them while i was bedridden from surgery and i was watching them and go you know what this is two hours and 40 minutes and it's broken up into such eloquent chapters and you're absolutely right they did the same thing with this where if you look back on it and you had to make the dvd chapters you would know exactly where to put them oh yeah we had uh you know our build up where where everybody's in that preparation mode a lot like you said lining up getting ready for battle and then we see you know the the, the horde extinguished basically uh life and light were extinguished extinguished and then just kept breaking it up and the music was really adding to it for yeah. me that last sequence maybe some of the best scored 
TV I have ever seen. So it was, I think we couldn't have watched the battle just for, you know, 30 minutes straight or whatever without watch, you know, being fatigued by it. So I'm going to give props to them for the way they paced this show that it was, you know, movie length. And we, I didn't feel like I was watching a movie. I was watching an episode of Game of Thrones and it was paced out so well. And it was just an enjoyable ride. Yeah. the If you watch the the end of it where the, the two guys that, that make the show always sort of wrap it up for you, they talked a lot about pacing and they were absolutely right. Because when I go see these, some of these superhero movies, like the DC universe, or as I like to refer to them, desperate cunts. They just can't get it right. It, it's like the battle scenes are so long that you lose interest in it. It loses its weight. And the fact that Game of Thrones went from, you know, group shot, epicness, quiet moments, you know, the, the idea of going into the cellar over and over again to check in on Tyrion and, and um, Sansa. Like, that just gave you a little bit of breathing space, you know? And then when the Hound and uh, Arya are going through and there's now an internal battle where it's zombies in a library, you know what I mean? Like, they just kept taking it from loud to, to, to quiet and it, it had... Like it was like a good slant song. It had like the buildup. It had the rhythm. It had the bridge. It had the epicness. And um, it, it, going back to the very beginning, though, when the lights went out, did you feel somewhat disappointed or relieved when Jorah ri rode back in? Like when some of the Dothrakis returned, I was like, wait a minute here. Because I literally thought at the end of this episode, we would have maybe at most four to three characters left. And when Jorah rode back in with some of the Dothraki, we never saw Ghost again. But when they rode back in, I said, wait a minute. I thought that I, when he went out into the distance, I just thought that was his, his ending. How did you feel about that? I was happy that he came back. I don't want to just to see a off in the distance. We don't see it. Death moment for him. He's been a constant loyal subject throughout the show he's had his ups and downs his bad times um but i think we can all identify with him with his devotion to danny yeah and i knew that it had he had to come back and they had to have a moment as somewhere in it also we have to keep in mind this is episode three of six if this were the next to last episode yeah then yes i think that that kill count would have been higher we would have lost more people in the battle I'm glad that we didn't just get people with, you know, White Walkers, uh, you know, Night King, just one, you know, stab here and there and killing people that we've been on right. this journey with. Right. So I was relieved when he came back and I knew that he was going to serve some bigger purpose, probably for Danny or, you know, the dra even the dragons. Like I was more worried about the dragons, I think, than I was maybe anybody else. That's me show. too. And they're fucking robots. They're CGI. But when <laughs> when the let's jump ahead then to to the dragon scene when uh, and I don't know the dragons' names. And if you do, you're a fucking super fan. But the poor dragon that was covered in White Walkers and he was trying to shake them off and and just couldn't shake them off, man. Shake them off. Couldn't get airborne again. That was just that was so heartbreaking and sad and those it's always animals that get me all these oh, people sure. are fucking demonic and even the ones that are now good did something bad in their past and they've all did some sort of carnage to, to stay alive this long in this universe but the fucking dragons man they're just innocent animals like you man, could just I, peace out and just fly around the world and be happy and live till it dies 
even the dragon that the Night King, you know, turns I know. And he, when he rose back up in that episode as a, you know, a, a dead white walking dragon. I was just like, I feel so bad for him because like this isn't what he's meant to do and he's having to do it. and He has no control over it. And then I'm like, Connie, these are like you said, CGI dragons. Come oh. on. But that's the animal thing, right? Animals yeah. to us represent innocence and people represent what all these people represent. Sins, you know, mm-hmm. being deviant, conniving, looking out for yourself, self-serving, just, just stay alive. And animals just have a more of a, we think, a more pure heart. Let cats run the world. Every human would die in a second. I mean, you know, the, that's just the <laughs> it, way that it goes. If mine did, for sure. Well, even when the dragon recognized... um yeah, I don't know if it was episode one or two, but whenever the dragon recognized John mm. and did that little sniff and got that Targaryen scent, you know, it's like, that's just a base thing. Like, yeah. you're going to be able to ride. I'm going to let you ride me. I'm going to let you command me, you know, because you're, I'm supposed to, you're, I know who you are. And I kind of felt like that was a moment for him too, where he was believing what they were telling him. You know, he didn't want to believe it, but, and he's like, wait a minute, maybe these dragons know something. Yeah. I mean, nature doesn't lie, right? Like, you can figure out a lot of things, but you cut open a tree and you count its rings. It's how old it is. Like there's just all these weird, like built-in science of nature that it's like these are the rules. That dragon accepts you. You got that blood running through your veins. I love the hound. I always have liked his sort of you know straight to the point, no bullshit. He's he's had a lot of bad things happen to him. He's done maybe even more bad things, but he still has this sort of loyalty, which makes the name the hound even even better i like that he's the type of motherfucker who's like i'm walking to the front you know what i mean i'm not standing in the cheap seats i'm a fucking warrior i'm going up to the very very front and then 20 30 minutes later he's like what's the fucking point you fight the dead they get back up him losing faith in in it all that moment before he was like, well, I don't believe in this, but I can't believe in Arya and my love for her. But him sort of giving up really hit me in the gut. Like if that guy's saying it's pointless, how is everybody else going to keep going? Because he is a warrior's heart. Yeah, he's like Robo Warrior in that sense. He was just going to keep fighting because he doesn't know anything else to do. And he's even seen the futility in it. And we were seeing it kind of at the same time, too. Yeah. And so then when... You know, it, then he got and got into that the peaks and valleys where it's just it's so much going on and there's so much fighting and it got a little bit of hard there for a while, probably at the three quarter mark. It got a little hard to figure out what was going on. The director has totally put HBO on blast or the director of photography and he's like, "Look, I shot this thing well. What you're looking at is a low quality render," and I was watching it going. Is my fucking TV going out? Because there was this weird, in the really dark scenes, I kept getting this purple hue everywhere. I kept getting this weird, like, bluish purple hue. And I've had a TV before where it's, like, lost one of the color channels. I thought, motherfucker, my goddamn TV is gone. And I want that TV to go out. I want to replace it badly, but I can't just throw it out because that feels bad. But I was like, it's going out during Game of Thrones. And I even at one point stopped it, went to live TV and flicked around just to make sure that I was getting all four colors coming through. And then when I went back over, I I was watching it again and I started to really look at it. And there was a moment when the when the dragons go up above the clouds, Mm -hmm. 
it was so posterized. Like you could, what should have been a flawless gradient of moonlight, you could see it be like, well, here's 90% gray. Here's yep. 80% gray. And I thought, my God, HBO, I know you're excited to get this out. When you're in premiere, just go ahead and click that box and give it another hour on the render. Like, because <laughs> guess what? In the new world, they didn't have to make DVDs. They didn't have to make laser discs. They didn't have to make VHS tapes. We all own the same copy. You only got to export it once. Why not hit, Why not check that box that says, I want high quality? And then it goes, this may take longer to render. You're HBO. That's all you got to do today. Yeah, I mean, there was two years between the damn seasons. Come on, get <laughs> Take that hour. You know, I think that 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 night, that Sunday night, there were probably more people standing up, like looking like they did in the 70s, like hitting the side of the TV and like dads cussing, like, what's wrong with this fucking TV? And more arguments over, you know, some kid is probably getting blamed for adjusting the contrast for a video game or something. I told you, you play those video games all the time and you leave it on pause and you go use the bathroom, you let out the dog. You've ruined my screen. Well, we watched it twice that night uh, because it was, we got a 50 You guys something. are hardcore. You guys are fucking <laughs> hardcore. Man, that was Stacy that put it on for the second time. So, man, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing her around to my ways. But we got this 55-inch um, Samsung in the living room, which you generally can't go wrong with. But we it does not handle blacks well. We get the blocking on there. So we went back to the bedroom afterwards, and she put it on back there. A newer TV, it looked much lighter. We could actually see what was going on. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is just that there's so damn many TVs and the way everything's handled. And, yes, a bad render from HBO. But um, also, if it was all well lit up and it was a daytime-looking battle, I don't know. Maybe we don't feel as claustrophobic and involved as we as we did with it. Either way, it doesn't matter. And if people's biggest complaints and like, I, I think I heard Howard Stern like really giving HBO down the road and saying they've just ruined their whole deal with because of this one showing. Uh, if that was what you got out of it was that you were upset because you couldn't see it. You weren't a fan anyway. So just move on. The TV thing was a little bit discerning and, and it, it really made me try to, because there was a couple of those dog piles where I couldn't, I'm like, is that? Is that Jamie or who? Because, you know, a lot of these mm -hmm. castle dudes kind of look the same and there's so much happening. But I have to say that I was just sitting there on the couch, fully invested. And I watched this like I watch an NFL game. And you, you're, you and I love TV, but you watch a football game completely different than you watch a TV show. Mm -hmm. I had my fist clench. I, I, I was just literally like I was in that zone of like, come on, Rams. All you got to do is not lose and you can make it to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like I was in that total like grip. I was I was following along with every every beat of it, which is why I was very disappointed with the last five minutes. Uh, OK, what disappointed you? I'm, I'm okay. curious. So we have this. I hate the idea of, and this is once again what DC does wrong. I hate the idea of there's this villain that, oh my God, we cannot defeat this villain. He's impossible to defeat. He's impossible to defeat. And so for two and a half hours, there's this villain that every time they try to outsmart him, somehow he comes out on top. And then for the, 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 the Night's King, is that the proper name, right? Night King. Night King. Okay. For the Night King to just, oh, all you got to do is tickle him in his belly button. And then his entire army, everything just goes away. Like it was, it was too impossible to be that easy. 
that that's because it was just this build up, this build up. We've been waiting for this for eight years. He gets two foot from the fucking tree. And then look, man, don't get me wrong here. I absolutely love Aria, but you mean to tell me that guy doesn't have like a cast of 12 ninja warriors around him? Like she was able to completely run up and not one person heard her. Not one person reached out for her. He doesn't have enough of like a sense of the force to know that she's coming. Like that. It just, it was, ah, it just, I wanted something more than like, aha, sucker punch. And yeah, the, the fucking, the sleight of hand, like big hand, lower hand in your belly button. It just though, it was just, it was so much epicness for like, <laughs> well, I, I see your point, but what I th- thought about the whole time was it wasn't about, I mean, the sleight of hand was great because she practiced that with Brianne and we saw perfect. it come back. That came back. It's a great thing. I think, um, he has those men around him, but we forget that Arya can be the girl with girl has no face. I think she transformed herself into someone to get past them. You know, she could mm. become and 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 change her face and also do that lightning quick move thing where nobody sees her move that she learned from that dude, the weird emo dude. Uh, that I don't remember his name. How annoying was the, does a girl have no face? That fucking Yoda talking dude was so (laughs) annoying in his robe and his bathhouse and just like, does a girl want to have eyes because her eyes have no face? Just what a fucking dickhead that guy was. That guy's like the worst guy ever to stand next to at Coachella. Does a band not have hits if a band not has sound? Fuck you. (laughs) Oh God. If he was at Coachella. Oh Lord. Um, it might be preferable to anybody else at Coachella, though, when you come to think of it. I don't know. I just, um, what I liked was we didn't go the Jon Snow kills the Night King. We didn't follow the theory of Bran is the Night King, you know, and like they were going to get there and mind meld into this one person thing or something. And I also think the Night King was so focused on, I'm here with this dude that I can now end the whole world if I kill him. And... You know, he did catch her when she came flying in epically out of nowhere, he which again, it. yeah, it goes back to my theory of, I think she, you know, in that, that wisp of hair that moved on that one guy, she was moving in silence right there and in stealth ninja mode because that blew that guy's hair back. So I don't think we can worry about the 12 dudes that are supposed to be his apostles, <laughs> the Night <laughs> King apostles that are supposed to be, you know, protecting Fucking him over Peter there. Peter had a weak, weak defense. <laughs> I think she swept right past them um, and went in and then we did have the nice, you know, change of the hand thing. And yeah, I mean that we've known all along, you kill the Night King, you kill his army. So they they had to go through with that. Like those dudes just have to bust up and fall away. Um, I like that. I had forgotten about Arya for a few minutes in the show because we've got John fucking out there dropping his sword and having to run back and forth, run back and forth. Right. Like, what did John do in this episode? Actually, he he did looked nothing. confused a lot. Yeah, I mean, he really did for a guy who's been so epic and was brought back from the dead to be sort of the savior. I mean. Well, he's brought okay if we're counting on Jon Snow to be brought back and be the savior what proof have we had that he could save anything previously I looked at a list yesterday where it was like of all the things that he's that been so involved in he didn't actually 
we wasn't the turn turning point in any of those things. It's is, all been is John Snow, the Game of Thrones, Forrest Gump, who he just happens to be in the background of all the big moments. <laughs> right, right. Like the you know the Red Witch has to bring him back from the dead. Like Sansa has to save him at the uh, Battle of the Bastards. It, you know, somebody else is saving him all of these times, uh, and and then it, you know falls to Arya, which I had Arya pick to kill the Night King in Stacey's office pool. So I don't even know how many triple double points I'm getting for that, but. <laughs> Well, let me. I called it. Let me ask you this: who, who went out a shittier way? Like, which is a shittier way to go? Night King's belly button or the Death Star's little fucking little anus hole that you have to shoot two proton beams down? Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. How can something be so impossible until it's like, got your belly? You know what I mean? Like, well, well think about the uh, the undead giant that God bless her. Liana Mormont yeah. was going out a warrior, got her little body crunched to death, and then just took that, <laughs> that fucking dragon glass right in the eyeball. I mean, it's like that huge thing just goes out right in the eyeball. It, that was great. As a guy who just bought a new eyeball, that was a hard one for me to watch. I want to address this. The Night's King or the Night King, B.N. Bran, is about as... To me, that was always like, <laughs> oh, two characters look alike. They're probably the same guy. We always knew who he was. It was the dude that got tied to the tree yeah. in the very beginning. But like, that was like, did you know that Marilyn Manson's really Paul from the wonder years? Oh, because <laughs> yeah. two people kind of look alike. Whoa. What, what's <laughs> up? They got to be the same person. I don't know. I mean, it was very cool that it was Aria. It, it was, it was a real sign of our times and storytelling that it no longer like the, you know, the, the guy has to come in and save the day. It, to me, it just was, it, I know they were going for shock and all, and they got that, but I was just, there was just such a pace for it all to be over in a snap. And you've, you've watched every episode of the wire, correct? Yeah. Okay. I felt, and if you're not a wire watcher, I apologize for this analogy, but you remember when Omar died? Everybody in Baltimore wanted to kill Omar. He had yeah. a bounty on his head. He he unsuspect, unexpectedly walks into a corner store to buy them Honey Nut Cheerios and a pack of Cools. And the next thing you know, he took one from behind. Mm -hmm. And when the camera panned around, it was none of the mobsters. It was none of the gangsters. It was like a 10-year-old kid that had mm -hmm. a gun. And he knew everybody in the neighborhood wanted this guy dead. It literally made you jump out of your seat it made your heart beat. It was the death you never saw coming. There was something about that Omar moment that made me think this is what they were going for. And they just fell a little bit short because afterwards I didn't feel shock and awe. I felt like I had something stolen from me. Yeah, I get your point on it. I just feel completely opposite on it because I think that they knew they had a character there that is universally beloved by the fans and bringing her in in that way to do it like it, I don't think it didn't matter who really killed him like because there's bigger fish apparently to fry this season but I think they they just wanted to follow through for for the fans on that one yeah and yeah you know in, t in, in terms of storytelling as far as you know you could have probably figured maybe it'll be Arya but then you know the way the the thing had gone, we didn't know what was going to happen, and, and I, I like that she came in, and she she 
and Bran being the two youngest, you know, and they're the ones facing them down. And and you've got the other, you know, you got Sansa hiding out in the crypt. By the way, I'm getting off topic with it. But what were Tyrion and Sansa? I thought they had a suicide pact going down there or something when they're like those up against that thing, uh, that wall and, and got the weapons. And I thought they were just going to off each other because they're both like... You know, you had to know they were going to turn into Batman and Robin. I thought they were <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. And then the next thing you know, they're using the sharp edge to try to kill others. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, this is this is also where I'm left with the next three episodes. I thought the biggest threat in the in the Game of Thrones universe was the Night King and the Army of the Dead. I nope. didn't realize that the biggest threat to the world is Cersei Lannister. I didn't yeah. realize that. I thought it was the they, other way around. They were all huddled up there facing death. And where was Cersei? At home, in her castle. She's ruling. She's, she's, yeah. She can't travel. Yeah. And she, in that sense, defeated death long before they did. She's she's maybe the smartest player in this game. And she, I think that, yeah, we're seeing that, okay, they've, they've faced death, they've defeated death, fuck we still got Cersei to deal with you know I like that twist to it if she had come there and you know hidden in the crypt too or you know whatever but she needed to she's she's maybe moving her pieces better than anybody has I don't know it was to me now I look at the next three episodes and that's the moment that I had been waiting for and the sec the back half all I mean I don't know they'll, they'll probably dazzle me and my tune will change but Right now, I feel like it's going to be anticlimactic going from here. And I was also very surprised that at the end of the episode, we only lost two or three characters. And I thought it'd be the other way around. I thought we'd have two or three left. Well, like, like I said previously, I think that had it been later and they worked this around to be, you know, next to last or finale was the battle against the Night King. Like if, if they wrote it some other way, that would have happened. But um now I think we're going to get to the other part of what's good about Game of Thrones is the politics mm. and the scheming and all of that. And we've got the players left that we need for that. We've we've had our heroes, you know, in this and we've had our sacrifices and and lost some beloved characters. But we have really the power players left as far as the political, um, you know, scheming. Do we get... Another epic battle, or was that the last time we go in the battlefield? I think that's. I don't think you can go back after that one. I don't. I don't think we can. We could do it again and have any meaning. I think we're going to get those, you know, private battles like a Tyrion, you know, killing his father and and things like that are going to be. So you think it's going to be espionage and 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 that sort of thing for the next three episodes, not. Or small battles, like small personal confrontations, yeah. instead okay. of big fights amongst a bunch of people. You know, we yes, we we love the Dothraki horde, but do we know any of those guys really? After Khal Drago was 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 gone, right, no, right. they were just rando fighting badass dudes. Um, the Unsullied. I mean, we have our one guy that we love from that, but the rest of these people now, it's going to be like I said, like uh, Jamie, Cersei, Tyrion, Briant, Sansa. You know, that's going to be a lot of clashing right there. There are going to be little battles. We're not going to have another big battle, I don't think. Yeah, I guess you're kind of right because all of these different, you know, the the Night's Watch and the, the Wildlings, all these people came together. It was unity for the survival of man. I guess now these tribes could probably go back to their own territories and go their own way because 
Cersei's not really a threat to the entire globe like the Night's King what the Night King was. No. So it's I don't it'll be interesting. I don't know. I do know this with the low render of the TVs, people haven't been this mad at their TV while watching HBO since the last 30 seconds of The Sopranos. <laughs> oh yeah, when everybody thought their cable went out. The fucking TV just died. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that was a set straight up on the couch and like look around like do we pay the cable bill? Like what what fucking happened here? Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed our Game of Thrones first half of this season review. So much fun talking about the show. And if you're someone who hasn't seen it and you're just getting back to joining us, welcome to the show. For the rest of the today's episode, we're going to look at all the new TV happenings for the month of May. And I would ask you, if you're listening to this, if you're enjoying, please make sure you're subscribed. Please make sure that you tell a friend and wherever you listen to us, if you could give us a positive review, give us some stars, give us some good feedback. We would greatly appreciate it. Comment below comes out to you once a week where we look at the world of YouTube, TV, and cinema. Coming back very soon, the very popular summer movie game where if the last time you remember, I lost and had to buy admission for two of my friends to Disneyland. That's a lot of money. What do you say we get into today's comment below, the May TV preview? Thank you so much for listening and thank you even more for telling a friend. I literally, um, I looked over at JPEG. I'm like, if you just unplug the TV, I'm going to bed tonight and the front door is going to be open. It's up to you what your fate is. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday we were, we were driving past Best Buy and Stacy said, you know, that TV in the living room, that's pretty old. I think maybe we should just pull in here and see what they got going on, you know? And then last night she, after I avoided going in there and dropping some cash for a new TV, she was like over on her phone and she goes, Okay, there's this, you know, 4K Ultra, blah, 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 blah. It's a 55, a 60 inch, it's a $5,000. I was like, no, this one show's not making me get a drop $5,000. I'm like, bring that down to below half of that and Look then at we'll her. talk. She can't wait to spend that Las Vegas butch and sissy money. Look at her. <laughs> How dare she? She needs to get a job. All right, let's do this. Let's get back to our buffet our, our TV lovers buffet. What I got left for you is Wokumentary's TV show within no S, miniseries or TV movies? Okay, Pat, I'll take TV show. TV show. Okay, so there was yeah. one scripted TV show. There's actually two, but the second one is a second season for a show called Fleabag that the trailer looked good. Fleabag is made by the people that does that show Killing Eve that you mm -hmm. and Sean both love that I haven't jumped into yet. So I didn't really put Fleabag on here because, well, you've already had to see season one. But it looked like one of those quirky British comedies that would suck me and Beth in. Yeah, it would suck you in the way that a um, catastrophe does, but a little different. Phoebe Waller-Bridges is the lady that you're speaking about there. She was also in the show that Sean and I liked, um, Broadchurch, mm. uh, for a little bit. Uh, Fleabag, I tried to watch it and watch one episode a while back and couldn't get into it. And left it sitting, but then people kept going on and on and about the new season. So I went back in and I've watched four or five of the first season. I'm not through it. Fleabag's sitting there. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be on Prime forever. So I'll, I'll dig back in. But yeah, that one wouldn't have made my list for this month. The other show that we talked about previous that I really got into, and I was wrong. I said it was a movie, but it's actually a series. Ricky Gervais has Afterlife on Netflix. We are about three or four episodes in. I'm going to give everybody a heads up. It is funny. It has Ricky Gervais's crass, what if you said this in public humor, but it is dark. 
if you're mourning the loss of someone you love, if you have someone in your family who's sick, or if you're just dealing with a breakup, do not watch this show. It will fucking cripple you and bring you to your knees. I'm in a happy, healthy relationship. As far as I know, everybody's going to probably be alive next month. And I, at the end of the show, I just look over at Beth of time and just go, I love you. Don't ever leave me. <laughs> not leave me like break up with me. She's free to do that. Just don't die. So I, uh, I have to say that afterlife, if you're in the right mindset, it has so far been really, really good and I have no idea where it's going, which brings me into this month's one show, which is already over on Netflix. It's called Dead to Me. It has Christina Applegate, who I've been in love with since the Bundys. Me too. She has been one of my lady crushes my entire life, so it seems. I put her and Alyssa Milano as mm -hmm. her, Alyssa Milano. And Drew Barrymore, it's mm -hmm. like, I can't remember a moment where I haven't been in love with you. That's the Holy Trinity right That's there. That's my Mark. Mount Rushmore of, of TV crush. So it's got her on it, as well as Linda Cardellini, who I know was, that you're a big fan of, and so am I. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Linda Cardellini uh, from her, from all kinds of things, but she's a freaks and geeks. Lindsay Weir, although she's in Mad Men, she's in um, the fantastic Brokeback Mountain. Bloodline. If you turn around and something's Avengers. good, yeah, Linda Cardellini is is there. Uh, even that movie that is like a perennial late night go to sleep watcher for me, Grandma's Boy, <laughs> or that Adam Sandler movie where yeah. it's like all of the side players are in it, but Adam Sandler isn't. But Linda Cardellini's in there, <laughs> which is one to check out. Listeners, if you have not watched Grandma's Boy, go to your shitty cable, the lowest level of cable that you have and find it and watch it. So here's what the show's about and why it'll be great for you, I think, because Christina Applegate plays a successful L.A. type, powerful woman who lost her husband. And then, um, I'm sorry, what's her name? Uh, Judy. Yeah, played by Linda Cardellini. She plays sort of this like wild gal pal that kind of helps her healing. So she yeah. invites her to live in her guest house. Hashtag must be nice. And the family's like, yo, you just invited this woman to live with us. Who the fuck is she? It seems like she might be crazy. She might have some trouble with the law. So Christina Applegate does really, really well playing this straight person in a comedy with insanity all around her. She was great in The Bad Moms. She was great on that road trip family vacation uh, mm -hmm. movie, which I can't oh. think. The sequel to uh, to Family Vacation that the new version of it. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's the wife of the son from the Chevy Chase Beverly D'Angelo marriage. She was fantastic in that. She's so fucking talented. I mean, it's like one of those utility players. Like if you if you get put me in a movie or TV game and you're like, OK, you get five starting slots. You get three females, two guys. She's one of my three females in that for everything. I don't care what the role is. And you even think about her playing the straight man in Anchorman. You know what I mean? Like oh. she, she had to be sort of, she's always plays this sort of uptight, does a lot of acting with her face and all this stuff. And also a survivor. I, I believe she had a double mastectomy and yes. breast cancer almost took her from us yeah. and just, you know, whatever, man, just hopped back on the horse and kept going. So what a, what an amazing woman. She's got that quality that like women like her and want to hang out with her and drink wine with her, smoke pot with her and dudes want to like romance her. I always know? say That's this a, as a guy, yeah. the thing that you could shoot for is 
Guys want to be you. Girls want to fuck you. If you're doing that, you're doing something. Actually, you're doing everything right. If you can check those <laughs> those boxes off when people talk about you. But that's our big TV show for the month, which now, Connie, you get to pick between wokeumentaries, miniseries, or TV movies. I'm going to go miniseries. All right, miniseries. Miniseries is becoming a new phenomena over on TV. And I think that finally TV and the entertainment industry has wrapped their mind around. You can go over to TV. You can do six powerful episodes, four powerful episodes, three, and it's going to find an audience. It's not going to ruin your career. In fact, it might reboot or restart your career or give you the ability to do something that just is maybe too long or too big or too small for for the the big screen and it just has become a sandbox where it's kind of like it's like casual dating in your 30s you know what i mean like <laughs> we know we're both gonna fuck let's not play it like we're not doing anything else but we also know we're not gonna marry each other because i hate your yeah. fucking kids and you hate my lifestyle but right now <laughs> we're both very very convenient it's just this <laughs> thing that happens right so there are a handful that are coming out this month may 6 brings us chernobyl over on hbo this is a subject matter that's pretty bleak, pretty dark, but man, the little vignette, the little trailer they've been showing before Game of Thrones, they have mm -hmm. tickled my asshole with a feather, and I'm excited yes. to watch this, and even more excited that HBO's getting back into original programming on Mondays. If HBO picks up another night in their program schedule, that means more quality programming, which I would be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. The Sunday nights have gotten so packed for us. We have not just only the HBO shows, but, um, you know, Killing Eve is a Sunday night show. And it's sometimes as much of a Game of Thrones fan as I am. I know what kind of involvement that is. And the Killing Eve is an hour that I can just sit there and be delighted and intrigued by this, you know, cat and mouse spy, uh, you know, maybe gay game going on. Um, there's just tons of stuff on, on Sunday nights. So Monday was refreshing because there's another show that we haven't really talked about, Gentleman Jack, which they've dropped on Mondays hmm. there. Have you seen that show? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. It's a uh, turn of the century, I guess, set in England uh, based around a real, real woman named Ann Lister. And she was kind of the, uh, the uh, uh, lesbian, landowning, not taking any guff from any men, person that might have been in a sense and sensibility like it's the mixed sense and sensibility and like lesbians and you know when you say like, turn of century you mean like 1901 or 2001 like 1901 i have like, a hard time with wig times um this one uh, maybe i don't know you give it a try All it's right. uh it might be a wife watcher too. Okay. put that on your possible wife watcher because i think beth's gonna like this lady um but anyway that's a monday night thing so they just slid that one in there without any fanfare no announcements no anything but of course you know that i heard about it because i got my ear to the ground of gay twitter and still haven't got an invite i, I keep going to the website and it says you must be invited to this i'm like oh, whatever i'll just go over straight twitter <laughs> I mean, hate, yeah, any, I mean, hate Twitter. Can, anybody can get into straight Twitter. Yeah, it's so <laughs> maybe when you maybe when you guest on my podcast, we'll do like a, a you know a ceremony. Oh, like we'll Brienne, you, you guys will knight me into the gay world. But come on, yes. guys, come on. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 a I'm a massive ally. Let me in here. I'll start <laughs> counting like at Pride. I've done the Pride Parade, Toronto, New York City, L.A., Long Beach. Like, come on, come on. How many parades have you done, motherfucker? <laughs> okay, up. Uh, 
also in the miniseries, uh, there is a Wu-Tang documentary on Showtime called Of Mikes and Men. It's a four-part series, and it really shows their story from rags to riches to death. And the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, nothing really kind of sound like those guys until they put out their first album. And they're one of those crossover artists that not only had the respect and the fanfare of the rap community, but they also, on the other side of the coin, just grabbed the heart and the minds of, you know, young white listeners everywhere. And it was like Wu-Tang was one of those bands where you'd see, you know, white kids with baggy jeans on that were skateboarding, listening to it, but also the hardest of the hardcore in the ghetto that were proud of it. So really one of those bands that sort of bridged the gap. If you've ever had a chance to hear old dirty bastard on the Howard Stern show, it is some of the most fascinating interviews you'll ever hear. P.S. Wu-Tang's for the chillin, and they've always been doing it for the chillin, and they'll never stop doing it for the children. And it's just a fucking unbelievable interview. That's back when Howard and the gang used to use the N-word a lot more free, and the conversations go fucking nuts all over the place. This is something I will for sure watch because I'm very intrigued by their history, and I love anything that's like from rags to riches, the American dream, you know, that you can go from selling demos out of the trunk of your car to becoming Jay-Z and owning a sports team, co-owning yeah. a sports team. Yeah, because there's always something to learn from that to apply to any type exactly. of hustle that you're doing. I mean, all hustle is the same. Yes. And you'll learn it from that. Interesting side point. I've never had a, per, a, a person, a black person, African-American person, speak to me or talk to me about Wu-Tang. Always the white people. <laughs> It's true. Always. White people love it. There's actually a guy that I adore who's a, he does a show called The Circus over on Showtime. His name is John Hildman. And he's sometimes on Deadline White House uh, or he's sometimes on the 11th hour. And he always has his notes in front of him on his iPad. And his iPad has a black leather case with a big yellow <laughs> embroidered Wu-Tang W on it. Which, by the way, the W is the the, the five burrows makes the wings. But uh, it it I always lo I love this guy. I love his analyst. I think he's incredibly smart, incredibly like with it. But the fact that he's on these shows with a Wu-Tang <laughs> iPad. And I mean, I get there's a little bit of like, you know, if you want to be radical before you go out into your speech, come out to a hip hop song because it yeah. shows you have an edge to it. Uh, but I don't know. It's what? a cheap gimmick, but I love it. Well, you do a lot of speaking stuff from time to time. Have you got a like a walkout song? Yeah, it's um, Black Skinhead by Kanye West. <laughs> okay. Which fucking just completely like destroys the room. And I do it for that exact reason because I'm making fun of other white people that come out because I come out to the most abrasive song that you could come out to. Up next we have What's My Name? It's a two-part HBO documentary about the great Muhammad Ali. Uh, this will be May 14th. Being from Louisville, Kentucky. Muhammad Ali is a folk hero. He's very real to me. He comes from the same city I come from, where we not only have Clay Street to honor his uh, government name, but Muhammad Ali Boulevard to, to give tribute to his religious name that he took later in life. You will not find a more charismatic, more charming, more interesting individual than Muhammad Ali. He even made Will Smith likable for two hours. 
Yeah, when I saw this first pop up on the uh, HBO stuff before shows, I was like, man, how much more can they tell us about Muhammad Ali? And then instantly, like, clicked over my head, I don't care. If it's the same old thing, I'm going to watch it again. Exactly. Like, it does not matter if he's I know in all it. the Disneyland fun facts. I'll keep watching these dumb YouTube videos because I just want to hear it again. <laughs> this one, though, is directed by... Uh, is directed by, this is how bad my reading comprehension is. It's re- directed by Anton Fukua. And I was like, why did Aquafina do a... <laughs> I wish she had done this. <laughs> Could you imagine a an Aquafina directed two-part documentary on Muhammad Ali? Uh, it'd be so all about her vagina and so little to do with him. <laughs> now, here's another miniseries. It's kind of odd. As we know... Um, George Clooney has done a lot of work with the Coen brothers. It looks like he's done so much work with them that he's now imitating them with Catch-22, which is a Hulu miniseries. It's based on um, World War II U.S. Air Squadron. I watched the trailer, and it has a lot of that sort of like double talk that the Coen brothers do, where the joke is sort of almost like Abbott and Costello, like who's on first type humor. Not... Totally for me, but there is one thing in there that makes it almost required. Coach Taylor. Oh, I know. I saw his name and <laughs> yeah, I was like, ah. was, if Coach Taylor's in it, I have to kind of watch it because I'm in love with Coach Taylor. Absolutely. And Coach Taylor, what a great pop up for him was in Game Night. Did you watch Game yes. Night? Yes, as the fucking dickhead, successful older brother that's good looking, has the money, <laughs> you know, but something shady might be up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I love yeah. Coach Taylor. Yeah, I saw the trailer for Catch-22 and uh, immediately made me think of that movie that I couldn't get through. Um, was it Hail Caesar? Oh, that the unwatchable. One? Unwatchable. Yeah, yeah. And I think that George Clooney is skating on a little goodwill of little Clooney will. And, I, I, you know, so people will give it a look, but I don't think it's going to be good. And Hulu, it might be like a strike for them when they've been really hitting them out of the park lately for me. Everything with Hulu has been outstanding. So maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it'll, you know, maybe they've got their like finger on the pulse of what's good. And this is just a badly cut trailer. But the trailer... It, they're cutting around, like you said, that double speak and the camera zooms and the, you know, it's it, it's not even a really watchable trailer for me. Well, you know, the thing about George Clooney projects that I always feel attracted to is that it's hard when you can find somebody that's had a similar life experience as you. So like, you know, good looking guys from Kentucky. It just, you know, there's kind of a bond between me, him, Johnny Depp. You know, it's just kind of this, we're on this same sort of journey, you know, we're out here making it. So, you know, it's just kind of, it, it, it feels like it's my fraternity. You're living it, man. Why do you want to sit home and watch? <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for your validation. Here's the last mini series that's popping up. Oh, but before we get into that, let's talk about a mini series that, has come to a completion. I haven't watched the last episode yet, but the act over on Hulu, the story of take me home, Gypsy Rose. (laughs) I absolutely have loved Gypsy Rose. I have loved the act. You have got to watch it. I can't even think about what the next chapter of her life is is going to be like, like this young lady has lived one of the most fascinating lives ever. Yeah. We are way behind on that. Cause I think we watched it right before we went to Vegas and the, you and I talked about it and then we took our trip and we came back. Stacy's had surgery. We're behind on it, but I know it's, 
based on what I saw of it, I know it's great. So that's one we're going to, it was a wife watcher, so I had to wait and we just haven't gotten around to it. But Trisha Arquette can basically do no wrong right now for me in my eyes. Again, it's a Hulu, which they've been hitting it out of the park, like I said. So that one's, I'm going to come back around to that one. Okay. Our last one is interesting. I think that you'll be into this though. May 22nd over on ABC, live in front of a studio audience, Norman Lear's all in the Family and the Jeffersons. So they're taking two of the shows that you and I were raised on, All in the Family and the Jeffersons, and Jimmy Kimmel and Norman Lear present a live recreation of classic sitcom episodes with a cast that includes Woody Harrison, Marissa Torme, Jamie Foxx, Wanda Sykes, Ellen Kemper, Justin Mochicato, and Will Ferrell. Yes, I got thoughts on this. Good or bad? Because I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, but here's my thing. Oh, boy. This has only come around, in my opinion, because of this, the underground success of One Day at a Time, which Netflix <laughs> canceled. One, I know I'm bringing it all around to this show. But Mark, I'm not kidding you. If you ever, like, are again, trapped trying to heal your cyborg guy for four days, watch that show and you're going to be like, we already had this great thing. Why do we need Jimmy Kimmel and whoever to come in and then bring back other Norman Lear shows and put them on? We had a Norman Lear 70s style show already on Netflix doing fantastic. And Netflix has come in with this. We're going to cancel things after three seasons, um, you know, business plan that they have. And we're also going to can't we're going to. We're going to get something and see that it's good and that people like it and it's coming from another company. And then we're just going to make our own because what they did there is they canceled one day at a time, which is coming from Sony. They canceled it saying that the audience wasn't as much of a build between seasons one and two and two and three. And they started their own version of it with a Latina family. And it's something they own and could control the costs on. And guess what? They renewed it and they canceled one day at a time. So, Mm. Um, I mean, I'm glad for You're more 70s. Insider. Oh yeah, I've been I've been studying on this one because there's no reason that show in the metrics is in the top ten of watched shows. It's up there with you know very popular things like Stranger Things, Haunting of Hill House, um, uh, Orange Is New Black. It's up there high with those things, but for some reason it didn't get a renewal. But guess what? Then Netflix slides in with their own version of the show mm. and renews that. Interesting. And, and Netflix doesn't release their own metrics that they go by. They no. say, we don't release those things. Prove it to me. Let's see it. Let's see that that show did better than one day at a time. I'll tell you that it didn't. So, again, I'm glad the 70s kind of things are coming back. I don't know if you noticed, but game shows are like, I kind of did a sneak peek up through the summer of some stuff coming up on TV. How dare They're you? They're bringing back the $10,000 pyramid. Well, you know why? All- TV, like live TV. Yeah. They need to find a way to save themselves and yeah. sporting events and these live things. That's the way to bring people back in. And I thought about this with this live in front of a studio audience. I'm not going to sit down. You know how around Thanksgiving, Christmas, they over on NBC, they do like a live version of Peter Pan and Fox did Grease. I'm not going to watch a musical. No fucking way. But if you tell me people that I love are going to redo an episode of Facts of Life or Different Strokes. I'm showing up and I I love the idea that like, you know, one day at a time or, um, all in the family, the Jeffersons, like these are such folk heroes to some of us that I will for sure watch Jamie Foxx strut around there. Like he's George Jefferson. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I'm there for it. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's just seems like it's, you know, odd timing for me. And, um, back to my bitching at Netflix for one thing, because not only are they keep raising our prices, but, they could release that show 
they, there's there are suitors that want it. There are several networks that want that show, and they're like, no, they won't we let it go. We're keeping it because they know if they let it go, it'll be a huge hit on CBS All Access wants it. You know, the one that you won't pay for. They want that show badly you because remember, it would be huge. You remember George Jefferson? Their next door neighbors was an interracial couple. Roxy Roker and yeah, and, yeah. and Tom, her husband, yeah, yeah. the white husband, black wife, which yeah. was crazy for the seventies. But hey, they lived yeah. in New York City. I really hope that Will Ferrell plays dumb white Tom because he was the butt. Like the black people in that show were so fucking cool, <laughs> and then the white husband would like chime in, like right arm brother, and they'd be like, "It's right on." How many times did Honky get said to that oh. guy on that show? <laughs> Dude, record setting. There was not an episode where George Jefferson didn't call him a honky five or six times. Absolutely loved it. Loved that show yeah. so much. Loved, I loved that. And I also loved in Sanford and Sons, the real square white cop that would show up. There was the black cop that was down that would always be like, just clean up the trash on your yard. But then there was the other cop who was trying so hard to talk street. Yeah. Loved it so much. I also loved how mean Fred Sanford was to Lamont's Hispanic friend. Rollo. Rollo. Just gave yeah. Rollo all kinds of shit. I loved Grady on there too. I mean, and uh and um and Esther. I mean it's Oh God. <laughs> God, what a great fucking show. Those were such good times and it was such an interesting way. They just took race, put it out on the table, and everybody got made fun of for who they were. And mm -hmm. in a way that like neutralized it. And you could mm -hmm. sit there and laugh at it. And like on Archie Bunker, you weren't laughing with Archie. You were laughing at Archie yeah. and the shit that he would say. But I guess <laughs> if you're a dumb person and you are a racist, you're like, that Archie Bunker, he thinks just like me. So I guess there is a casualty to that sort of like and, smart racial humor. And we've got a correlation, I think, uh, in politics today of, you know, we're making fun of Trump, but there are other people who are laughing right along with him who think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, you've got two more options, Connie, before we bring this plane down. Wokumentaries or TV movies? Okay, since I was informed that white people can't say woke. What? Yeah, that's a whole other argument. Um, let's go with the TV movies and we'll get the wokumentaries last. Stop me. Stop me from saying it. Stop me from saying it. I, I got to have some words I can say over here. I talk for a living. <laughs> TV movies. TV movies, I normally don't give a shit about uh but there are a couple that caught my attention one it's already out right now extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile it's the zach Efron, zach efron telling of the ted bundy story but if you know the ted bundy story like you and i both do he did have a girlfriend for a while mm -hmm. so it's through the lens of the girlfriend and the time that she spent with him before he would escape from colorado and go down to florida and kill what five six more girls so takes a very small chunk of his life, which is good. Don't try to tell all the story. We learned that from the dirt. And it's going to kind of tell it from the one woman that was intimate and, you know, thought she was having a relationship with him, was thinking about marrying him, wanted to have his kids. So it should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I like this because it's taking the thing that whenever we see those sensationalized news stories, we always say first, how did the husband not know? How did the wife not know that right. there were bodies in the basement? You know, that kind of thing. So I hope that we're getting like not her sugarcoating and making herself look good version and that we're getting like the real tale of how she 
came to be under his spell, which is the only way I can think that that happened. And I think she she says she was maybe brainwashed in there or something like just by him. Um, and also going for it is has Zac Efron in it. I am not ashamed to say I'm a Zac Efron fan. Really? Oh my gosh! Some of those freaking movies, those little rom coms and like things that he's in. I was wondering one- why you showed up to. Um- <laughs> Uh, what was the the beach one that he did with The Rock? Oh, God. Oh, I didn't watch that one. That one looked horrible. Baywatch. Is that what it's Baywatch. called? Yeah, Baywatch. No, I, was I did wondering not why you showed up there opening day standing in line. <laughs> um, I mean, 17 again. Have you ever seen that movie where it's uh, Matthew Perry from Friends and Leslie Mann? And it's like the, you know, the going back and reliving this body switch thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a classic. You got to watch it. You'll love it. Um, he's in that Dirty Grandpa movie with Robert De Niro where he has to go down to spring break with Robert De Niro as his grandpa just looking to get laid. You <laughs> love this guy. You fucking love, love it, this man. guy. I love it. And uh, it's, you know, a period piece, which I love, 70s serial killers, uh, the whole thing. So I, I'm in for this one. Uh, I will say that it's got the worst, one of the worst titles I've ever heard in my life. Very hard to get out of your mind or out of your mouth. <laughs> Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Yeah. I mean, you could have gone with something easier. Here's one that I won't be watching, but it is interesting to talk about. Uh, Blumhouse has this, it's called Into the Dark. And the first Friday of every month, they release another movie. It's a horror movie. And each one is themed around the holiday of that month. So there'll be a Halloween, a Thanksgiving, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess for the spring, they're going with kind of the idea of love or Mother's Day. It looks more like maybe Mother's Day. And this is a dark, dark, dark description. Okay. A woman fears her son may be coming a serial killer. So she creates a group of clones and attempt to cure him of his tendencies of being a murderer so she's basically making women for her son to kill then she's heartbroken that he kills him but gives him another woman what a fucking dark thing to create also gee what a coincidence that she's some sort of geneticist who just has a home laboratory i mean you know you can buy the home kit i mean we make slime at the house all the time it can't be that much harder to put a human inside of it so i won't be watching it but maybe it's for you it's called end of the dark all that we destroy and it's already out as of the episode coming out here's another one that this is my soft spot you like zach afron i like teen movies it's called the last summer it has john hughes vibes Standing on the edge of adulthood, a group of friends navigate new relationships while re-examining others during their final summer before college. Summer before college? Sign me <laughs> up. I love this shit. I knew you were going to be all about this one. It's got a couple of folks from other things that I watch in it. That KJ Appa is on Riverdale and the lead, Maya Mitchell, is in these uh, this uh, freeform TV show, a couple of shows on there. They both play people in those shows that like... Those, you know, those shows where there's the teen that like wants to get involved in too many social issues. Yeah. Like wants to stand up for the downtrodden. Yeah. You know, always puts themselves at risk. Yeah. Gets it, you know, like like they're doing the right thing, but they end up in juvie. Yeah. (laughs) Young version of me. They both play those on those shows. So to see them in this thing, it was so odd and weird for me. Uh, The trailer was really melodramatic. um, But you know what? I love a teen romp. I'll watch it. I'm there with you. We should like probably live tweet it or something. I would love to. You know, (laughs) one of my favorite movies of all time is... 16 candles mm-hmm. and what was i watching the other day where the oh i know what it was it was black monday they they were 
throwing shade at 16 Candles. Like, oh, you mean that movie where the plot is a guy drugs his girl and gives it to another guy to have sex with her? And I was like, yeah. wow, 16 Candles is dark by 2019 standards. I'm like, wow, what a fucking dark movie. All of our beloved coming of age, growing up media is is not Me Too generation friendly. No, whatsoever. not at all. I was just discussing this the other night, name dropping, when Tom Zutat called me yeah, there to we go. chat the other night. And, uh, was I, it him or was it Pete Davidson playing him on a phone call? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think he knew who Pete Davidson was. He told me when they cast that, which was crazy. <laughs> I he had to it. look him up. I he had to look him up. believe it. <laughs> but um, I, you know, I was congratulating him on the movie and I said, you know, I, I liked watching The, the Dirt. I said, but... I can see the criticisms, and I'm going to be honest with you that, yeah, it's not Me Too generation friendly. But if we lived in that time, we knew that's the stuff that was going on with Molly Crew, you know? So, yeah, that's that's definitely the 16 Candles lens. Um, I mean, the stuff that was happening to the Breakfast Club kids. And, you know, uh, we look back at, like, uh, Pretty in Pink and Ducky and, and them going to the bars and the clubs and things, which, you know, it was just crazy different times for us. They don't pass the test now, but there the was movies, an the Asian too. character called the Donger, and and <laughs> was a hopping and hot stuff. And when they show up after the Donger's been out partying all night, and the one grandpa goes, "Hey Ed, I think your Chinaman's laying out in the front lawn." Like, Chinaman, that's, that's like no big deal. I love it. Maybe that's why I love to put those things on now. It's just so comforting, just like slide back into uh, that time, easier times. But you know, it, it's weird that. You and I were able to watch all those movies, and yeah, it's got things that wouldn't pass the mustard in 2020. I'm done with saying 19. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. I'm already going to round up to the 20s, <laughs> but it, it doesn't really, it doesn't hold up to where we're at, but it in no way or, or shape or form did it make us bad people because we identified with the outsiders. We we mm-hmm. didn't think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and call every Asian person I know a Chinaman. We we're like, wow, how hard would it be to be a young Asian person in America when that's how you're treated? You're a complete outsider, like not even best based on like the way that you dress or the way that you act. Like you're just an outsider because at that moment, like there wasn't a ton of Asian people everywhere. So it's weird that well, we watched those and the bad shit like kind of rolled off of our back or almost gave us a heads up like these are things that happen don't do them but be the outsider i think we came out okay because we identify with the outsiders and all those but let's go do a catch-up with people that identified with the blaines and the jake ryans and the party girls from 16 candles but are there people that watch those and go yeah i love those bullies they're great like who voted who went for the older brother in weird science you know what i mean like who are these people <laughs> The Chet fans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is there a community that supported that? I don't know. Last night I went down a dark hole where I was, I was playing this thing I love to do on YouTube. I put in one thing and just let the wind blow me where it goes. So I was watching the Beastie Boys Hey Ladies video because mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with the idea of Paul's Boutique and how it just was such a flop of a sophomore album that now you look back at it, it's a masterwork, but the world wasn't ready for it because they wanted more of that Rick Rubin, you know, Slayer on guitars, party rock that was licensed to ill. So that took me over to Limp Biscuit playing at the 1999 Woodstock. Yeah. And I didn't watch it because of Fred. I watched it because I was like, Oh, right. Woodstock 1999 was 21 years ago because it's 2020 and 
that Woodstock was so brutal that they rioted, they burnt it down. There was tons of sexual assaults. So I watched it just to sort of see, because that was like bro culture trying to understand what it was like to stage dive and slam dance. Yeah. And so it was like, it was weird people interpreting the underground that I was actually from. Connie, there was tons of girls on guys' shoulders with their tits out. Totally yep. abandoned their t-shirt. They're like, yo, we're at Woodstock. At Woodstock, it's a sexual revolution. You pull your tits out. And there was just like bros reaching up and just grabbing their tits. Yep. Uninvited, unaccepted. And you would watch the girl like move their hand off or be like, get away from me. Like I didn't see one girl like enjoy it. And I thought, man, that's how different 2020 is, is that no dude in his right mind is just grabbing a rando tit at a concert today. Like you'd be like, whoa, our tits are out, but you wouldn't grab it because of the climate that we live in. But at the same time, no woman would pull her tits out because all these people were just watching the music. Not one person was holding up a phone in front of their face. Yep. Absolutely. That level of connectivity is lost. Absolutely. Um, wouldn't that be an interesting research project for us to go back and study concert films of all women on shoulders with tits out through various times and types of music and study the male activity? Are you ready for it? On? Mark Bricky and Connie Collins were star in The Tit Travelers <laughs> when they find a magic brassiere that takes them through time. I think we could get a pickup at Hulu for that, for a six-part series. Here's what it is. The Tit Traveler. We visit the Wizard of Bras, who <laughs> then gives us the ability to travel through time to see great moments in tits. Man. Let's, okay, I'm glad we're recording this. Because <laughs> somebody's going to steal our idea. We own it, motherfuckers. Copyright. <laughs> we own it. Don't even try Robert from Chicago, you little bitch. <laughs> All right, two more movies for you, us to talk about. One's called Wine Country. May 10th. The only reason why I bring this up, Friendship is a Trip. Watch Wine Country on Netflix. Ugh. But I do love Amy Poehler, and she directed this. It's got her cast of crazies in there. It seems like a middle-aged women drinking wine type story, but I really love Amy Poehler. I love Maya. I love Rachel Dratch. I love that whole group of women. Mm -hmm. I've loved them since you know they were making me laugh every Saturday night on Saturday Night Live, so I will watch this because those are my people. It's the smart girls, man. It's the smart yeah, girls it that are funny. They they're in on the joke, but yet they're also you know can can write the jokes and they can take a joke. You got also a little, I think a little cameo in there with Tina Fey. So that's the that's their queen, you know. Throw Molly um, Shannon in there, and it's the whole group. Anna Gosteyer's in there too. Yeah, it's great. So, I love all yeah, those women. I'm, I will definitely watch that. I hope good things for it. The trailer made me worry a little bit, but uh, I, I mean, I'm in for it because they're there. Come on. Saturday, Wife Watcher, Poor Little Rosé. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Final movie, May 31st. We will talk about this more when it gets closer. We'll also talk about this after we watch it. This I'm very excited about. Deadwood, the movie, May 31st. Deadwood was great. I don't like period pieces. Cowboy shows are hard for me to watch because of the way that they talk. Mm -hmm. First season, they talked like normal people. Second and third season, they got in there and they messed around with it. And they started doing some of that cowboy double talk where I'm like, I don't even know what anybody's talking about it anymore. I met one of the writers at a party one night and he's like, oh, I'm a writer. I worked on Deadwood. I go, which season? 
And he's like, season two and three. I'm like, you fucking broke the show, bro. Like, I called him out. I'm like, why all the double talk? Like, Al Swearingen is the best character in the history of fucking TV. For the next 30 seconds, cunts half price. Like, he can't say anything without swearing and being vulgar. Yeah, what a great character. So many great characters on that show. I mean, I'm particularly fond of Calamity Jane. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to see. There's a little snippet in the trailer. I don't want to talk too much, but Calamity Jane is just coming out, and we've been waiting for her to just be a fucking badass. It looks like she's just a badass in this. So Tanner and I were discussing, like, I can't wait to see what this is, that like like her story in this. Um, I'm super excited for it. I hate that the show got canceled and just kind of left in the middle of nowhere, and it's been, what's it been, 13 years, I think, since the show, and there's still this much fucking interest in it yeah. so it speaks volumes it, it was a weird show too where they cast the same actor to play two different characters which yeah. was very confusing because i'm like is he yeah. the same fucking guy or not and i can't yeah. understand if he is or not because i don't know what anybody's saying what a great yeah. review i'm giving to this i will say this i love timothy olfen in it um him as the sheriff as the lawman you remember the episode where he grabbed the dude by the ear and just fucking walked him through town <laughs> Yeah. By the ear, what a great fucking law, man. Yeah, it, it's every character in there. I mean, I do agree with you that the writing got a little weird, but still, it's kind of fit for me. And there's so many great characters. The stories, the Old West is interesting. And if you can do a Western in a way that keeps like folks like us who don't really watch a lot of Westerns yeah. involved and interested in it. Um, you know, there are people who say that Westworld's not a Western. I disagree. It's a Western. It's just a new way to tell it. Um, and that's what Deadwood was. So I'm I'm super excited about this one coming out. I would hope that this is a conversation that they had over at HBO. Instead of bringing Deadwood back as a TV show and committing to all of these episodes and getting all these people tied up into it, what if we did a movie? And if the movie did well, year and a half later, two years later, we did another movie. Like, I would be so into the way that, you know, there's not an Avengers movie every fucking month or every season, but Marvel makes three movies a year. It would be awesome if HBO said, let's do a Wire movie. Let's two and a half hours. These are where some of the characters are at. And then we'll, we'll bring them back in 18 months or 24 months. That would be fucking great. And if, like with the Avengers and Marvel movies, if we have some offshoots, we don't necessarily have to have every character in every movie. We might want to hear, you know, let's let's get that Al Swearingen origin story. Love let it. me see a let me see an Al Swearingen prequel. You know, let's, how the let's do fuck that. do you become that like jaded and that dark on society? <laughs> exactly. And you want to talk about a guy who will fucking you want to talk about Asians in America? You end up with his butcher man. You get fed to the fucking pigs. Absolutely. And uh, he never was hesitant to use the word Chinaman either. All right. That leaves us with woke you mentories. This is what's up. We live in a time where there's so much media, there's so much distribution that stories that could never get told before can now be told. I often wonder, does it just go out to the same audience. Like nobody on the other side will probably watch any of these, but nonetheless, there's four wokeumentaries that are out this month. One is knock down the house. It's the story of all the women that ran for a political office in 2018 and how they were fed up. It's a real reaction to the Trump administration to seeing a guy who got elected for president by proudly saying that you know when you're rich you can grab a woman by the pussy it is 
100% for every action, there is a reaction. So that will be over on Netflix. It's already live today. The other one is All in My Family, which is a documentary about a young gay Asian male. Um, Asians, as you know, or as we think that we know, I don't know firsthand, <laughs> very, very proud people, very, very proud in their culture and, and family is definitely the keystone of everything. And it shows this young man who's the first ever gay person in his family trying to get the family to come together. Yeah. And I think that we noticed in the trailer that the, he has a, a child um, and there's a reaction to the family to that. Do you think some of the uh, the fact that the Asian families are so um, entrenched in their heritage and in the future and, you know, carrying on the family that they, th they that the gay thing, some of it is that they think that's the end of the line for the like the gay people can't have babies. So the, our family will stop. Yeah, I mean, it could certainly be a big part of that. They're just from what I know, and this is stereotyping, but whatever, that's how we learn about things like every Asian person that I've had a relationship with or I've come to know or what I've seen through the media, it's always been, you know, there's a lot of pressure put on kids to not let down their parents. And those parents did that because that's the way that they were raised. So you're absolutely right. It could be seen as, well, not only do I not understand this, but this is the end of the line for our namesake and a lot of pride. I mean, this is, comes from a part of the world where in China, and I know not all Asians are the same. It's fucking hard to talk about this and do it politically <laughs> correct. But, you know, there was a moment where people would give away a daughter because daughter doesn't keep the name going, you know, right. which is I have friends. You and I have friends that adopted one of these little mm -hmm. little girls who somebody gave up on because she couldn't keep a namesake going. So it's right. that is a very interesting observation of it all. Two others at the heart of gold inside the USA gymnastics scandal. I couldn't watch that. You know, like the fact that this guy molested so many young women, and this is a horrible joke, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because that's who I am. One would say this guy would get a gold medal in molestation. <laughs> this yes. guy is a fucking scumbag mm -hmm. to prey on all these young women that are so dedicated to their sport. And it really goes to show that these people hear me out here. Once again, hard to talk about documentaries and be politically correct, but this guy had a real talent for brainwashing people, a talent for deception, a talent. I mean, to be able, you would think just going out blind because I'm not a deviant. I would think, well, why would you ever do anything like that? You know, you're going to get caught, but they somehow know a way not to get caught. Like their, mm -hmm. their downfall is their addiction to whatever they need to have to make them feel good. But their talent is in survival that you could do something like this. Not once, not twice, but what, like a hundred fucking times. Right. How do you, and how do you fuck over a hundred people and don't get ratted on and do it? Um, and this is specifically a troubling case because it did it amongst young women that many, many, many of them knew each other. Yeah. The same gymnastics teams, their families knew each other. I wonder like, that's what I'm interested from this documentary, if it'll be in there. And I don't know if I'll watch it because it may get too close to finding Neverland emotions for me. But um, were these young women talking to each other or was it? No, it, it was done as such like shame and silence and that they don't say anything. Like, what is it that propelled this guy to be able to keep doing this? And there is a moment in there and I knew about this from all the coverage of it, but where the one father like just asked that judge, 
I'm just asking you to give me five minutes in the room with this guy. And then the guy just loses it and runs across the courtroom to attack the guy. How could I'm you just not? Like, how, yeah. could, how could, as a, as a parent, how could you stand in a room and know with 100% proof that that guy molested your son or daughter and keep your composure? Like yeah. this show, this is going to go to some fucking dark places that I don't think that I'm really ready to go. I'm maybe not that woke AF, but yeah. man, oh man, like how could you and I be waiting to get on the uneven bars and be like, you know what's uneven is uh, the coach, you know, like how, like how would you and I not be like, has um, coach ever like no. done well, anything? Did, did coach ever take you to his basement? Yeah. yeah like yeah. I, I don't, it, it is mind boggling to me how this got away got this far is there a bigger cover-up was it like well don't say anything bad about coach because coach is going to get you to the promised land or mm -hmm. I, I don't know man like there is something really really dark in an individual that can run the scam that good that long yeah we're running close to, to almost saying that we're thinking about blaming victims and we're definitely not doing that but no, i don't think that no. we learn anything from these type of shows unless we can spot patterns and see how this stuff happens to know what to tell people to look for or what to you know to let everyone to let their kids know hey these are the kind of things that are you need to be looking out for and i hate to say that we have to ruin childhoods but we almost have to ruin childhoods now you know you you go through your childhood and you just la, la, la. well if an adult's doing this it's an adult doing it and it should be it's okay it's all right and now we know that that's not the case you know we're less oblivious than we were in that, uh, what's that family documentary about the space alien guy and the kidnapping the girl twice? The, you know, the, uh, the relief. Oh, oh yeah. Stuff. The fucking, um, abducted in plain sight or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, times are different than that. Like I could almost a little bit see because we, you and I lived in those times, how that stuff happened. But today, as you said, woke entries, everybody's supposed to be woke and we're supposed to be knowing all this stuff. The, the weird thing, and you're absolutely right, like I would never ever victim shame being a victim of sexual abuse myself uh, as a child, but it, what you are curious, I mean, for me, the reason why I never said anything is because I didn't want to break my dad's heart. That mm -hmm. was, I carried that weight so that he wouldn't have to deal with the fact that things happened yeah. when he and my mom got a divorce. And so there is... You do have this like weight on you, you know, mm -hmm. the same with Beth. Like she never spoke out because she didn't want to hurt her parents' feelings and make them feel worse about themselves. But what I wonder about is how does somebody program this many people, like you said, yeah. that all know each other, you know, yeah. like that to me is the, the fascinating part of it all is like, how do you work all these people sort of against each other that they don't? talk to each other. And I know that, you know, you don't want to talk about it. You bury it. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You're like, I can handle this so that nobody else has to deal with this dark place to fucking go. One last one. Yeah, this one seems lighthearted compared to the rest. <laughs> Surviving R. Kelly, the impact <laughs> over on Lifetime. Lifetime woke up the world with their six part series on Surviving R. Kelly. I believe this is sort of like a follow up type program get some more ratings, cash in on it. Poor R. Kelly, never saw it coming. But once again, here's a guy that ran this scam for decades, for years. And it's in weird. front of the world. Yeah, in front of the world. It's like, you know, Trump being like, well, it can't be uh, collusion because I did it on Twitter. But <laughs> it's weird that in the age of documentaries, for sure, Lifetime Special 
got enough people going, wait a minute, there's too much smoke here for there not to be fire and fucking poor and innocent R. Kelly. I'm just trying to make money, man. Well, make money in jail, motherfucker, because that's where you belong. Yeah, I don't think I can go here because I couldn't get through all of the six episodes or whatever it was of the first one because fucking Lifetime, man, they Lifetime movied it. It was like they, they, they optioned seven photos of R. Kelly and used them repeatedly through the entire show. We, You hear that? Oh, man, <laughs> who's coming for us, man? Getting buzzed on over What's here. What's going on, bro? I mean, <laughs> FBI just uh, gave up on a terrorist plot in Long Beach. Is somebody going to fly a little two-seater down into the beach? What the hell? That guy was going low. So anyway, the low production quality and the bad directing, editing, producing that happened with that thing is like I got the gist in the first episode, and I was like, I can't go back for the rest of this. Hey, these, I could watch Knock Down the House for sure. I love the idea that all these women said enough is enough. If the system's not going to change, I'm going to change the system. Uh, all in the family, the, the the gay Asian guy, that's to me is just fascinating. Yeah. But the molestation as entertainment, it's it's just not for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's there because I guess that to some degree it, it does create awareness and maybe it gets people talking and maybe it brings one person out. And the Lifetime thing, I mean, it's a hit that it actually got law enforcement after R. Kelly and finally gave him some repercussions for the good time that he was having. But it doesn't mean I need to watch it. Mm-mm. Connie, I don't know how we did it, but somehow we worked our way through all of this non-TV TV that's coming out this month. I'll check out some of these. There's some things, and there's enough in here for me to be excited for TV this month. Yeah, it's an interesting month. Um, I'm going to be able to slam in some of these. I've got weird viewing habits going on right now with as busy as I am and what's going on with with uh, personal things at home and, and business, but um, there's a few things in here I'm definitely going to have to dive into. I'm also like, I've got a backlog of things that I'm sitting on that are making me crazy. And then as I let you know, Stacy and I decided to, to dig in and get into, you know, Mark and Mort territory. And we're, we started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, so envious. All of them, because we'd only watched sparingly a few different things. And I was so dying to see Captain Marvel that I was like, all right, we got to do this because I got to get through these and I, and I know I'm going to want to watch the rest. So, yeah, we're on this journey of, of watching those. So I'll, I'll have to get that done first and then get into some TV. You're also doing them um, according to the, the not the time that they were released to us, no. the public, but the timeline that they exist in. There's a list over on IMDb. Is that where you got that list? No, uh, no it was actually through AMC Theaters, but it's a Reddit person's uh, list they put together. So, like, we start with Captain America, First Avenger. Yeah. Then we go to Captain Marvel. So you got your wish. That's why you chose this <laughs> list, because it gave you what you wanted the most right out right out of the gate. Which was a free Larson <laughs> in a suit. Well, let me tell haircut. you, wait till you see the new haircut of Captain Marvel. <laughs> I can't wait to get there. We're like, we watched three movies last night. We're just trying to power through. We're, we're in Iron Man. We've got to watch the Iron Mans, and then we get to Thor, and then we're off through the rest of them. Have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy at all? I've seen both of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, those are really, really great. All right, well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you for helping everybody stay aware of what's coming up on TV this month. And uh, we'll be seeing you real soon. Thank you so much for coming on last week, too, and doing that shop talk. A lot of people really enjoyed sort of you and I talking business aside yeah, from am- all of our TV love. I enjoyed that one too. A different, you know, thing to talk about. It's been a while since we've discussed business, you know, with the old print mafia episodes and things. And I want to thank all the listeners because I got some great feedback. And uh, you know, it's like it's it is difficult, as we said, to change 
your focus mid-life, mid-career. And uh, I see that a lot of people have been, I didn't think people were paying attention. And apparently they were because, you know, they've let me know that they had been following what I was doing in the comments and and messages and things. And so I really want to thank everybody. And I appreciate that because, you know, a little bit of positive reinforcement goes a long way. And trending in the AID world was hashtag gay for Connie, which I'm a a big fan of. (laughs) Man. I'm going to make my own shirt. I'm going to put that on my business cards. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, I've been gay for Connie for years, motherfucker. Stand in line. All right, everybody. I will be back here tomorrow. Connie will be back soon. And we'll do this all over again. But until then, we hope you watch something great. Wants to get involved in too many social issues. Yeah. Like wants to stand up for the downtrodden. Yeah. You know, always puts themselves at risk. Yeah. Gets it, you know, like like they're doing the right thing, but they end up in juvie. Yeah, <laughs> like a young version of me. <laughs> <laughs>